You're on the panel on RNZ National, David Slack and George Estiliano with me uh, this afternoon. I just see, uh, uh, looking at the Oscars first, uh, they're on right now. We'll give you updates. John Travolta tearing up as he mentions how hopelessly devoted we all were to many of those we're about to commemorate. A reference to his Greece co-star, Olivia Newton-John. A newsflash, just for you here, uh, Chris Hipkins is speaking at a post-cap stand-up. The government is axing or amending the sway the policies and programs targeting transport, alcohol reform and lowering the voting age. Its speed reduction program is being re-scoped to focus on the most dangerous 1% of highways, while the second leg of alcohol reforms relating to sponsorship and advertising has been put on ice until the next until next year. And legislation to lower the voting age to 16 for general elections has been canned. The government's saying it wants to focus on law changes for local body elections. So a bit to go through on that, but uh, before we go to our uh, next story, can I just get a response on around the panel on that particular aspect, uh, the government um, to lower the voting age to 16 for general elections canned. Thoughts, Georgie? A good thing or uh- otherwise? I'm actually still processing the the rest of the policy bonfire. This is a this is crazy stuff from from the new prime minister. You've really got to give it to him. He's axed all controversial policies now, all of them. Um, it's in. I'm genuinely just trying to process the media release that's just come through from from the prime minister's office, and this is going to make life very difficult for the National Party and you, you gotta you got to say that people who thought this was just a change of the figurehead at the top and sort of same old Labour Party, if you're in that camp, um, well it's certainly not. Okay. I did not answer your question, sorry. David can maybe take that one. <laughs> oh right, uh, well no you've sort of answered in the sense that there's, a, there's the political nature of it, eh? it's going to be uh, a toughly fought election. David Slack, on the voting age to 16. The Make It 16 camp will be bitterly disappointed considering that it got all the way to the Supreme Court. Yeah, they will be, and and it is frustrating because at that age you stand to suffer from the consequences of the climate Mm. crisis for Mm. many decades more than anybody else. The the idea that people of that age aren't capable of processing this and getting engaged I think is wrong, and you can at least have that debate. But clearly there is, as Georgie said, a, a strategic approach going on here that says anything that might make you think um, I I like the idea of a businessman being my Prime Minister um, is uh, something that makes them say well let's take that off the table and that off the table and that off the table. Now Mm. I don't want to be taking too much of a hot take here because I'm looking at some of the the summary of this and thinking I could read this one way or another and part of it is that exactly that you're just so cautious to a fault that it it negates all of the intent of um, being progressive or transformative on aspects of the climate crisis and that grieves me but I can Mm -hmm. possibly see when I look at the say stopping the clean car upgrade scheme bracketed with and I'm uh, refocusing the a focus on uh, public transport as an alternative to driving. I can see that maybe actually you're shifting your priorities here and maybe right. altogether you end up with a better outcome because it, there is, you can say, yes, uh, the clean car thing is is putting more electric vehicles on the road, but actually electric cars are not where we're... The future of 
electric is the future of cars, but but, but the future is not cars. And so that's if if that money were to go into, for example, bikes for e-bikes for people who can't afford those, that would be a a more interesting change. But you know, that's not going to happen because that's the kind of thing that uh, 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 perturbs the kind of voter they're now clearly targeting, and that's what makes me. Got it. Okay, so just Worried. on that, um, David uh, was mentioning the clean the clean car upgrade scheme. So they're stopping that. It's worth um, five hundred and eighty million dollars, which allowed people to scrap old cars in return for a grant for a more environmentally friendly vehicle or pay for public transport scrapped. Uh, there'll be more on the, I guess, policy bonfire, quote unquote, and checkpoint here on RNZ National. By the way, can you believe it? Uh, a really big response regarding double-barreled names. We'll have to come. <laughs> Really big response. We'll have to come back to that later. But to this, teachers are planning to strike this week. 50,000 educators set to walk out of the classroom, and they say it's not just about the money, although focus is on the remuneration. Starting teachers receive $51,358 at present, and from April, a minimum wage earner full-time receives $47,216 a year. A median wage earner, around sixty-one k. So new teachers are starting a profession that pays a just a little bit more than the minimum wage. We're talking about that. Rachel McIntosh, acting president of the Council of Trade Unions, is with us. Kia ora, Rachel. So that's the difference uh, there, Rachel. $1.99, that's the difference between a minimum wage earner and a teacher starting in. Is that an issue? It's certainly an issue. Uh, low wages, well, low wages right across the country are a long-term issue for us as a country and for the economy. And um, teachers certainly, um, yeah, it's an issue for teachers, the, the low pay. Teaching is, is a vital profession. And, um, you know, we need to be able to attract people into teaching. We need to be able to pay them um, decently while they're teaching. And we need to want them, we need them to want to stay in New Zealand State teaching. So it's, a, it's really a long-term problem. It um, hasn't happened overnight. And, no. uh, mm. yeah. Okay, so uh, $1.99, that's what you get, Uh, $1.99 more than the minimum wage if you are a teacher. That might be bumped up. I mean, this might change with the government offer, though, Rachel. New primary teachers get 11.7% rise over two years. The highest paid primary teachers on 90,000 get 7.6% over two years. That'll change things. Well, 7.6% over two years is um, below the rate of inflation. The rate of inflation is 7.2% for one year. So the, so they're still going backwards. So there still needs um, there's work to be done on, um, on the pay, whether it happens this year or, um, you know, whether there are stages over the, over the long term. Um, something certainly needs to be done. The teachers are saying that something needs to be done this year. Right. And... Um, yeah, over the long term. It's a serious long term problem, the, the level of recognition that teachers get. The level of recognition of pay, Georgie Siliano. I think I totally agree with the recognition point. And as you said, Rachel, it's not got here overnight. And this is not my own view, but I do sort of feel like unless we change that 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 old um, that that's the old type of thinking of like, oh, those who, who can't do teach and in, until we really make it 
a career path that's actually got a um, almost a bit of prestige and importance around it in terms of the role, the invaluable role teachers play. I sort of feel like we've still got that kind of attitude towards teaching. I mean, happy to take your opinion there if I'm totally wrong. Rachel? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, my impression is that teachers are well supported publicly by um, by the parents of the people that they teach. Mm. Um, that their value, you know, is recognised. But when it's not recognised in pay, you know, that 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 certainly that sends a message. You know, that sends a message to teachers and for anybody who is likely to think um, what you said about um, you know teaching not being a prestigious profession well it just it gives credence to that view mm. which is absolutely incorrect what well, sums it up with this uh, quite before we go jason says i left teaching for a job at the warehouse for more money and i only had to work 50 hours a week yeah, you don't have to take anything home and worry, and you're not. You know, the demand of being in front of a class all day and and recognizing the per, the, the the nature of twenty, thirty different people growing and all that that entails, huge undertaking, huge. You know, you come away from a day of doing that if you're not used to it. And well, think of all of the parents who found themselves um, um, with their kids at home during lockdown, and you realise just how demanding mm. it is. But on top of that, so influential, so valuable. Mm. And the contrast right now between us and Finland couldn't be more stark. There, they employ people with advanced, uh, with graduate degrees, and pay them e- extremely generously, and th- they get a better outcome because of it. <laughs> I used the Luxon phrase there without looking for it. Um, <laughs> Outcomes. That's, that's apparently what we're looking for. So there you go. Um, if you want outcomes, right. pay them like Finland. And and here's my further point. Yep. In order to afford that, you need to put your taxes up. And pe- and we get stupid about the idea that taxes ought to keep going down. We are mm-hmm. firmly in the middle of the pack in what the amount of tax we pay here. And here's another point. We seem to have taken the point of view that the only uh, justifiable place to go for taxes income, when in fact capital, is a large, rich object for it. And we could okay. be doing way better for it. Here's a solution. Here's a solution, Rachel, finally. Act Party, they put out a release saying, what about paying good teachers more? Now, that'll be controversial, but the need to attract high-caliber candidates starting out should be top of mind, right? So they want, what they want to do, well, what they've suggested, is start an excellence rewards fund. So the good teachers that are performing, they get more. Um, well, teaching is work and it's the work that has value and um, if there are performance issues they need to be dealt with through management not through dangling a carrot and encouraging teachers to compete against each other mm-hmm. teaching is a collaborative profession yep. and all teachers need to be paid um, yep. a wage that recognises the value of the work Kia ora Rachel, thank you for your time there that's Rachel McIntosh, the acting president for the CTU it is 18 past for the panel. We have David Slack and Georgie Stiliano with us. Now, after the flooding on January the 27th, that massive inundation um, predominantly in Auckland, parts of Northland, many communities are still dealing with makeshift solutions. Beachhaven in Auckland isn't an area that's been in the headlines all that much, but the residents of Hadfield Street are still struggling with broken sewer lines. Residents are concerned with some of the temporary waste water solutions but most of all the lack of communication so we thought we'd get resident on Hatfield Street Gary Flynn with us. Hi Gary. Good afternoon. 
So this is quite a way in from Jan 27 now. It's now mid-March. You're still having issues. Paint us a picture. What issues? Okay, so um, I think no one locally would have had any idea that some of the uh, effluent was going directly into the harbour for well over a month. Most locals still wouldn't have a clue. Um, Certainly we're not the only affected area. So after six weeks since the storm, the only communication provided to anyone are the 10 houses directly above a slip where the sewers are broken behind us. And Watercare asked us to provide some contact details, which you think they would have, um, so they could arrange for a portaloo to be delivered. A few weeks back, uh, probably two or three weeks ago, a huge generator was delivered and lots of different pipes. um, And electrical leads running up and down the street, and they're trying to pump... um, sewage basically out of the sumps to divert divert it around the, the broken area um, oh. down in the bush. Um, so Gosh. yes, it's not good. We've and raw sewage in the garden, yes. I understand. Uh, yes, yeah, the, the temporary solution is not particularly effective. Um, yes, some of the leads until recently were sort of held together with um, cable ties and using um, gloves for waterproofing and um, yeah, it's really pretty poor. Um, we've attended a couple of meetings with Watercare, um, who have been very receptive, to be fair, um, but the, the pump has failed twice um, in the last week. So once on mon- Monday, um, yeah, lots of sewage ran out into um, local residents' property. And then on Thursday uh, evening last week, we got home to see a port delivered and um, sewage coming out from the pipes uh, in the in the Kerbin Channel and running, running down uh, through people's gardens and properties. I'm trying to get a picture of this, Gary. Does this mean that Watercare is fully aware of what needs to be done, but they simply don't have the resources yet? Or have they, and, and have they um, explained it in those terms or not? Um, that would be correct. Um, we managed to seek out a meeting that was advertised through Facebook, and about 15 residents from our um, street attended. This was in the Birkdale Hall last Wednesday. Um, and there were six six people um, yeah, from, from um, Watercare that, that attended. But yes, it's simply that they, they, they have they told us there's 69 areas of significant damage to wastewater across all. Right. Yeah. And according yeah. to Watercare, we're ranked in the top 20 as a high priority. Just not high enough, eh? Hey? No, no. We're hoping that there could be a. a a temporary solution put in place at the actual point of the break, which right. we're looking into. But we have a huge generator that's spewing fumes out 24-7 that effectively is only one, running one pump. So how many was that, Gary? 60-something? Six, 69 um, areas, affected yeah. areas across Auckland. OK, Georgie? I remember after the Christchurch earthquakes, it, it, there was this sort of thing that happened in the in the medium to longer term recovery where a lot of people kind of got their life back to normal and 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 business as usual had somewhat resumed and then there were these kind of isolated pockets where things are sounding very similar to to what you're talking about Gary it was just like these either a street or a little cul-de-sac or a couple of um, suburbs over everything would be fixed and hunky-dory and then there were these residents and I don't know why it is that sometimes they're just these hot spots of, of chaos and it always I, I, all I'm trying to say is 
I can sympathise with you because it's very frustrating and you just feel like, um, hello, is anyone yeah, listening yeah. to us? And I guess that's the nub, isn't it, here, uh, Gary? The fact of the matter is that, what is it, Jan 27, now it's March 13, you're still using portaloos, you've got this cabling non-compliant duct tape, mm. you've got unstable Dangerous. driveway ramps over temporary pipes, generators spewing diesel fumes out, it all seems really quite temporary and um, perhaps just a little bit dangerous. Yes, yeah, I think so. And and the fact that, well, they've advised that, that our area is going to be prioritised, but, you know, we live in quite a beautiful area and there's lots of residents that are very much engaged in the local environment and community, but the fact that they've indicated it may take up to a year or two to fix permanently... Is, is quite a concern. All right. I'll say um, it is. So just before we go, um, uh, go, what needs to happen now? And have you been in touch with Watercare? Yes, yes, we have been in touch with Watercare and they have um, been, been back in touch with us. So they have um, agreed with our suggestion that they provide some, some port-a-loose, port uh, similar to what you would use in a, a, a caravan and provide somewhere to empty those, um, which... Would, would make a lot of sense. Um, ideally, we want the enormous and unnecessary generator removed and the pumps um, connected to uh, temporary um, supply along yeah. the street, which is also very doable. And we'd like them to water care or the council to communicate with the wider community to let them know what's happening. Because if, if people could minimise the amount of toilet paper and that sort of thing that's going down their toilets, that mm. could mean that the, the pumps work more effectively and don't get blocked up so often because the moment the pumps get blocked all the wastewater comes running out and then the solution is actually worse than doing nothing at all because it's running down the street and through people's properties Oh gosh! whereas previously it was just coming out through one, one, one particular... Gary, operation. we will on the panel keep in touch with you. For now, thank you for your time. That's Gary Flynn there, resident of Hadfield Street in Beach Haven there. Uh, so that is uh, all still happening after the flooding on January the 27th. 25 past four, you're on the panel on RNZ National. Uh, more Oscar updates. Brendan Fraser won Best Actor Ooh. for The Whale. For the just fan- crying in a fat suit. Well, as uh, to, to quote Brooks earlier, yes, indeed, thank you. All right, you're on the panel, RNZ National. Now, uh, so the issue of milk in first or last when it comes to tea continues. Not a new story. We have discussed it, but Virginia Fallon and stuff raised it uh, the other day. And I thought, look, enough is enough. The difference is so pronounced that I can pick uh, at every time. I'm a massive fan of milk in first. Mm. I can tell you, I can tell uh, a cup of tea when it's milk in last. It is so disgusting. So office manager, the wonderful Pratik, has kindly bought me two cups. Pratik, welcome to your first time on RNZ National. Kia ora, Wallace. How's it going? How are you? I'm well. So we've got complete, like for the sake of scientific accuracy, we've <laughs> We've heated up the cups, yeah. so you can't tell which one has milk first because there's a temperature difference. The amount of milk is precisely the same, yep. and a glass of lemon ice water as a palate cleanser. <laughs> You're wonderful. You're the best. You're the best. Okay, so Thank here we you. go. I'm going to raise it. I'm, I'm going to say that I can judge by looking at it. 
Okay, I can't quite, but here we go. <laughs> All right. Okay, so the first one. Here's here's to the first um, uh, a cup of tea made by Pratik. Okay, got that. Pellet cleanser. Here we go. Twenty-seven past four. The panel. And then second cup of tea over here. And <clears throat> all right. So milk and last. Milk and last is the one that I drank first. Ooh. I say the other way, and I say by looking at it the other way around. Ooh. Am I right? I. You're wrong, Wallace. You're kidding. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> The one you drank first was milk in... Did you say milk in last? I said milk in last. Oh, yeah. Okay, wait. No, you're right. <laughs> okay, see? There you go. Oh, I'm you, right. You absolutely yes. contorted that whilst see? to me. No, no, I didn't. No, 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 I didn't. No, you're no, no. playing a shell game with always those right. cups of tea. I'm always right. Yeah. So the, there's no Ponzi scheme here. So the one, I drank, the one I drank first was milk in last. That's right. Yeah. Yes. The second one had the milk going in first. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Do, uh, do right. you okay. prefer oh, the milk? I got it wrong. Do you prefer the milk in first, Wallace? Absolutely. Oh, you've really. I, I really liked you. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, that is you sacrilege. Might, you, you might, but the listeners don't. Uh, they, they said forty uh, percent like milk in first, like I do. The correct people. No. Uh, I grew up with that, with tea cosies and it. and and. Tins of biscuits There's and a methodology. every afternoon. There's too. a correct way of drinking Farm tea and milk in first. And 60% pratiques of milk and last. How about that? I, I think they're right. Yeah. yeah. How, do, how do you have your tea? I drink coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good on you. Hey, thanks, thanks for that, Pratik. Thanks. Fiona, really appreciate it. All right. Uh, so, good afternoon, Wallace. I think that whether you like to put the milk in your tea first depends on your personal taste, but I do prefer to do it after the tea has brewed because I want to get the right amount. If the tea is weaker than expected, I put in a bit less milk. It's, if it's very strong, as made in school staff rooms mm-hmm. by year six students, mm-hmm. I put in much more. I also, yeah, I also prefer reduced fat milk. Another one here, milk and first, loose leaf tea. Milk and last is a tea bag thing. Yes, and Ranul oh. says, Wallace, milk ruins tea and coffee both. Very, very good indeed. You know, on the panel on RNZ National this afternoon, we have David Snack and Georgie Stiliano.